Morning, everybody. So I wonder if you, any of you have had any expert coaching or help with something. Uh, in fact, uh, here's, here's a situation to, to imagine. Later on, you're making Sunday lunch, and uh, you're trying to whip up a white sauce, something like that. It's really not going very well. And in walks Mary Berry. And she goes, give me that. I'll show you how. Or perhaps you're not a cook. Uh, maybe you're wrestling over your finances one evening. You're sat at the kitchen table just going, oh, goodness. And then in walks Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert. And he goes, budge up. I'll show you how to make the most of your money. Or perhaps you're pitching up for pre-season training with your football team. And who is leading the first training session of the season? It's none other than Gareth Southgate. How cool would that be? Unless, obviously, he starts to give you tips on how to take penalties. Too soon? Too soon? Okay, okay. No, no, no. All right. Whatever you love to do, or you have to do, wouldn't it be great to get some expert coaching? That would be a privilege, wouldn't it? And that's the privilege that we're going to have as a church over these next six or seven weeks as we dive in to the Lord's Prayer in the sermon series that we're doing on it. Because so many times throughout the Gospels we see Jesus withdraw to quiet places, whether it's after a long and heavy night of healing and teaching. He gets up early in the morning in Mark chapter 1 to pray. Or again, early in the morning, just before he appoints his first disciples in Luke chapter 5. Or again, uh, when he's actually facing death the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, what is he doing? He is praying. So many times we see Jesus again and again withdrawing to pray. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he still is praying. He's praying for us right now. He's the Lord of prayer. And so it's no wonder Uh, in Luke 11 that Jesus' disciples having seen this having seen his consistency in prayer come to him and they say oh Lord teach us to pray don't know about you but, but I struggle to pray and I do not want to be taught by yet another failure <laughs> so don't listen to me <laughs> Listen to the Lord Jesus. He is the expert. He's the perfect prayer coach. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to let him put us through our paces with a prayer masterclass. And here's lesson number one from the lips of Jesus. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. The way we speak to someone depends on our relationship with them, doesn't it? So there are only three children in this church who call me the Reverend Donut because of that they are my children and I'm their father. There's only one boy in this church who calls me sad, fat, ugly old man and he's my son. And when Jesus began the Lord's Prayer with the words, Our Father in Heaven, it was, was mind-blowingly shocking for his disciples. The familiarity blinds us to its shocking impudence. You might know that in the original language, the word father here is translated, um, well, in the original, it's Abba. And it was a term of respectful intimacy used in Jewish families. So 
It's more respectful than daddy, but more intimate, actually, than father. Something like dad kind of hits the mark. And no religion in the history of the world, and no Jewish teacher ever called, ever dared to call God dad. (laughs) Of all the names, thousands of names invented for God by humankind, nothing remotely compares to the apparent blasphemous irreverence of calling our creator, our ruler, and our judge, the, the true and living God, Father. What was Jesus thinking when he said this to his disciples? Well, here's what he was thinking. He was thinking that in order to pray, we really need to understand the extraordinary relationship that we have with the one to whom we pray. If you're a Christian, you are God's adopted child. And so you are now welcome to approach our heavenly dad with affectionate and confident intimacy. You see, we say, Father, to remember that he loves us. Human fathers often love us weakly or only when we succeed, behave, or interest them. And still only then, only if they've got the time or the energy or low enough alcohol levels. And sadly for some of us, not at all. But our Heavenly Father is quite different. The Bible reveals that though we are more sinful than we ever realized, we are more loved by our Father than we could ever imagine. And here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus emphasizes three magnificent aspects of the Father's love for each one of us. This is his love for you as well as for me. Firstly, the Father delights to reward our efforts to please him. Three times Jesus says when we uh, give, when we pray, when we fast, we should do that in secret, in, in private, not for show so others can see. And when we do that, Jesus says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And your Father who sees in secret, will reward you. Earthly fathers often fail to appreciate their children's efforts. You know, you're really excited about something, and um, actually it could be your mom just as well as your dad. You tell them about it, and they're a bit distracted, and they just don't seem to quite get on board your excitement. But our Heavenly Father never fails to appreciate us praying to Him. He loves it when you pray to Him. And He will reward all of our praying now and in eternity. And secondly, the Father knows all about us. As in Matthew 6, verse 31, Jesus says, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. We all have worries, don't we, folks? We all have worries. I wonder what you're worried about this morning. Sorry, I don't want to kind of bring that to mind. But do you not realize that God knows exactly what you are worried about? He knows all your worries. 
And whereas earthly fathers struggle to know what their kids really need and certainly cannot provide all that is needed, our Father in heaven who created and sustains us knows exactly how we tick and what we need even when we're confused about that ourselves. He has promised to provide us with whatever is needed. And then thirdly, the Father loves to answer our prayers with good gifts. As across the page, here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, we hear Jesus say, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who, by the way, is very definitely not evil, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You've got kids, and they come to you and they say, I'm hungry, which in my experience of having young kids happens quite a lot. (laughs) What do you say to them? You say, close your eyes, open wide, and stick a rock in their mouth. (laughs) No. (laughs) If they come, can I have some fish fingers? Oh, really? Can I have fish fingers for tea? (laughs) No. Here's a rattlesnake. Chew on that. Let's see who wins. No, you don't do that. Of course you don't. It's ludicrous, isn't it? Because Jesus isn't trying to give us fresh ideas, fresh menu ideas for family teas here. No. (laughs) He is showing us how foolish we are to neglect prayer because we doubt that it makes a difference and and that he is willing to give good gifts to us, his children. Even earthly fathers delight to give good gifts to their kids. I can remember a few Christmases back, just watching the sheer joy in my youngest child's face as she pulled out of a, a, a bin bag this huge, giant, fluffy pink unicorn that was twice the size of her. I well remember also the embarrassment I felt as I walked across the car park from Toys R Us back to my car holding this ridiculous thing. But it was worth it. (laughs) It was so, so worth it for the joy that it brought her that Christmas morning. How much more does our perfect heavenly Father love giving us good gifts? Especially when we receive them with thanksgiving. As the perfect Father God delights to shower us with blessing after blessing. I mean, think of Jesus' description, which we looked at last week in uh, his description of the father that we looked at in his parable of the, the, the two sons. We looked at that last Sunday in church. Human fathers, we are foolish about discipline, cross about nothing, and impatient with, the, with, our, with childish weakness. I'm sure I'm not the only dad who has lost it with my kids and regretted it. And yet, by contrast, Jesus describes in that parable, our Father in heaven is wise and patient, both with, both with his ungrateful son who grabbed his stuff and ran away, and his bitter, angry son who insulted his character. And every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we can thank God for his 
patience, his incredible patience to us. Human fathers can also be unfairly critical of the mistakes our children make. I'm sure I'm not the only father who's walked through every room in the house seeing the carnage that tornado kids have brought to the place and overreacted. But our Heavenly Father is compassionate and merciful to every rebellious child who repents. The only time you read in the Bible about God being in a hurry is when he rushes out to greet his wayward son as he returns. And every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we can give thanks to God for his grace and mercy to us. Human fathers can also be too selfish to listen, too tired to care, too busy to be present, too ignorant to understand, and too weak to change anything. We can be so useless at times, can't we? And again, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not the only father who's resented having to do maths homework late in the day or who has neglected to pray with my children over their worries. But by contrast, the father in Jesus' parable is extravagantly generous in every single way, not least his time, when the lost son finally turns for home and comes back home in a mess. And we can enjoy the Father's generosity every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. How great a Father he is. Never forgetful, never late, never grumpy or selfish. Even when we fail to appreciate everything that he does for us each day. Do you see? I really hope you see like two Rolls-Royce engines strapped to a rusty old Ford Escort. These two little words, our Father, give us all the power, all the motivation to launch us towards God in prayer. I mean, why would you not want to pray to a father like this? (laughs) Why would you not also want to live as we should to please him too? So we pray, Father, to remember that God loves us. But we also pray, Our, to remember the rest of our family. Jesus reserved the singular phrase, my Father, uh, to express his own unique relationship with God our Father. But he tells us to use the possessive pronoun, our, when we come to him in prayer. He is not just the Father in heaven. He is our Father. He belongs to us. Because by his new covenant relationship established by Jesus' blood, he has permanently adopted us as his children. God has bound himself to be our Father forever. And so when we muck up and make a mess of life, or we get stuck in a cycle of sin that to us just seems utterly unbreakable, or even when we deliberately betray him, we can come to him and openly and honestly confess all of our sin. He is never going to throw us away. He will never be taken from us. He is permanently our father. 
Supremely, however, this word is plural to remind us to pray for the rest of the father, the rest of the family, and not just ourselves. Nowhere in this prayer is there an I or a me. Folks, we're so prone to pray selfishly. We're prone to do so much selfishly, aren't we? But not least, even with our prayers, we can be selfish. But Jesus instructs us to pray generously for the rest of God's family. As the great theologian John Calvin put it, there is nothing in which we can benefit our brothers and our sisters more than in commending them to the providential care of the very best of fathers. When a brother or sister is in trouble, what do we tend to do? I don't know what you do. Sometimes I think we head for our phone, send them a little message. We might even say, let me know if there's anything that I can do for you. But There's always something that we can do. And I'm not just talking about pitching up at the door with a Marks and Spencer's ready meal and a bottle of wine, which can I just incidentally say is a brilliant thing to do, just to just act <laughs> like that when brothers and sisters are going through difficult times. But there's something even better to do with that, and we can do it straight away. We can drop to our knees and we can pray and in an instant. There, we have been of service to them in the best possible way with our brothers and sisters in need live just around the corner or halfway across the world in Syria, Sudan, or South Africa. The best thing we can do for them is hold them up before the Lord in prayer for our Father is right there with them by his Spirit. And so he delights to hear our prayers for them. So in terms of trying to be practical with this this week, Wonder about this week, when you pray, whether it's for half an hour or for five minutes, try praying plurally, not singularly. I'm not saying that's a kind of golden rule you have to always follow, but hey, Jesus encourages us to do it here, so um, it's got to be the right way to go. And I think it gives us, when we do it, more of an awareness that we are part of something bigger. Therefore, I think there is also here a hint that this should draw us in praying not only for others, but with others. Praying our Father is often best embodied when God's people gather together to pray. And that's why we see our church prayer meeting here, not just as an optional extra, but as one of the most important meetings we ever lay on. And so when we announce it in emails or in the notices here. Uh, we're not really inviting, if you like, to, invite, <laughs> to, to join us. We are requesting your presence. And so we would love it if you were to join us for that half hour at the prayer gathering tonight, 8 or 8.30 on Zoom, as we pray for our nation as we come out of lockdown and, and spend a bit of time also praying for some urgent needs in our church too. We say our Father to remember and join with the rest of our family. And then thirdly and finally, we say in heaven to remember how great our Father is. The Bible talks about three types of heaven. 
The first heaven is where the birds fly. The second is where Star Trek happens. And the third is the unseen spiritual realm where God sits enthroned over the whole universe. And Jesus says to us, he says, that's where your dad sits. Jesus tells us to pray to our Father in heaven, not because he's distant, because he's everywhere, but to remind us that he is the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, invisible, and unchanging, supreme Lord of all. So we're to come into his presence humbly and reverently. So perhaps in our praying, we might need to consider our posture for prayer. Perhaps we need it to be something that's a little bit less casual and actually has more of a sense of reverence. Perhaps particularly when we're confessing our sins, we might do that on our knees or on our faces, prostrate in front of him, crying out for mercy. We're also to come in boldness, aren't we? Our Father rules the cosmos after all, or to put it another way, the one who rules this cosmos is our Father. And it is great to have friends in high places, isn't it? Like, a friend of mine tells this story uh, about um, a Saudi Arabian man who used to come and visit his family uh, when he was younger uh, from time to time. And he didn't know at that time that this guy was actually a prince in Saudi Arabia, probably the richest man he had ever met and probably will ever meet in his life. I remember as well one time when he was 11, being in the living room with his seven-year-old brother. And, um, and this man said to him, when I come back next, I'm going to bring you a gift. What would you like? And my friend was quite well brought up, so he thought, mustn't be too greedy. So he said, um, could I have some sweets? Then it was his brother's turn. To, the guy turned to his brother, and his brother said, I would like a remote control car. <laughs> and you can guess really what's coming next, can't you? This guy pitches up. He goes to my friend, there's your sweets. And to his brother, here's this most incredible, the biggest, uh, most swanky, coolest, most awesome remote control that he'd ever seen, remote control car he'd ever seen in his life. My friend said he learned an important lesson that day. What you think of the person you are speaking to will really affect the way you talk to them. And my guess is that with God, most of us veer towards talking to him in the kind of, kind of a bag of, would it be okay, would it be okay if I have a bag of sweets kind of way? <laughs> Rather than, oh, Father, I, I, I want more of you. I want to know you. I, I, want to, <laughs> I want you to be honored in our country, in our culture. I want you to be glorified in all lands, by all peoples. I want to feel in my life the depth of the love that you have for me. I want to know your power cursing through my veins. I want you to make me more like Jesus. Please, Lord, make me more like Jesus. Give me more of his compassion for others that I would truly care. Please, Lord, make me, make me just and fair so that I might have a real hunger for justice 
and to do right to everyone I meet and to fight for what is right in our world. Make me like Jesus, so good, so true, so pure that I might walk and live, with, live like him and have an impact like him. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Folks, I'm convinced that most of our struggles in prayer come not because of lack of technique or lack of time. I mean, let's face it. We can all find time to do the things we really want to do. But no, our struggles come much more because we fail to remember who it is that we are praying to. Which is why Jesus says that we are to come boldly, unashamedly, asking for big things when we pray, our Father in heaven. So this week, as you set aside time for prayer, I guess that's, that's um, application point number one, isn't it? <laughs> set aside time for prayer. Put it in your diary. I find if I don't do that, it just doesn't happen or it slips. And then find a quiet place like Jesus encourages you to do in Matthew 6. Find a quiet place. Close the door. Get away on your own so you'll be undistracted. And then pray. Make the most of the opportunity to pray to our Father in heaven. And as those words roll off your lips, take time to treasure him, to honor him, and come with boldness and pray big. Come like a little dependent child. So, what are we waiting for? Let's pray now. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and I'm going to lead us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, and then Wilson is going to come and lead us in some more specific uh, prayer points as a church family. Let's uh, bow our heads and pray. I think this is up on the screen behind me. Let's pray to our Father in heaven. Let's take a moment of quiet just first to, to, to process, maybe take a little moment to talk to the Lord ourselves. Please would you join me in praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.